Well, I am gonna talk about prayer, and we're talking about fast forward, and we've been mostly talking about fasting, which is something that is not most popular subject for, for people. And prayer is kind of right up there with fasting, that they're not the most favored disciplines or the favored aspects of the Christian life. But you know, they are really uh, superpowers that uh, the devil has really worked to keep downplayed so that uh, he's not defeated as quickly or as easily as he could be if people utilize fasting and prayer. And so I'm hoping today to give you some insights into prayer, a little kind of like different uh, looking at prayer in a little different way, maybe to uh, help you to see it in a bigger way. And so um, Judy's gonna start, yep, we got the slides up there. And um, so in talking about this, We've had it in our songs, we've had it even what uh, Pastor Caleb talked about, was that we're gonna pray you know, next week for, for Pastor Dwight, praying ahead. So many times prayer is reactive right. instead of proactive. And it's important for us to know that because we can be setting into motion in prayer provisions and protection and all kinds of things for our future so that when we get to our future, it runs a whole lot better. And um, so I'm gonna have a lot to t share with you today and because prayer and the prophetic are kind of my things, um, I'm not gonna apologize if I go about 40 minutes or so, okay? Because I have a lot to share with you. So I want you to become aware of the fact that when we're praying, and even as we sung, Pastor, again, Pastor Caleb touched on this so well when he was closing, talking about you know, worship and all those things, entering into a spiritual realm that can make a difference, and prayer is one of those things. You know, if you're not aware that there is another dimension that we don't see, it's an invis invisible spiritual dimension, but it is as real as if I walked up to my husband or somebody and spit on him, and that spit, I'm not gonna do that, but if I did, the reality of that thing is just as real in the spirit realm that we don't see. It is alive and it's well. Look at our country, if you don't think it's alive and well. The spirit behind the Antichrist spirit and all of that is alive and well and working, even though we may not see it and we may not even be aware of it, it is working against us every moment of the day, 24 hours a day. So we're gonna talk about these aspects of prayer. So the first one is that prayer is not reactive. We just mentioned that here a minute ago. It is not reactive. And some of the other things it's not. It's not a magic lamp. Lord, Lord, where we rub it and we want him to appear like some magic genie and give us what we want, okay? It's not, uh, here's my list, Lord. I want this and this and this. And I also, I need this and this and this. It's not that either. You know, it's not this big duty, you know, like go fold the clothes, go empty the, the dishwasher, go do the dishes, wash behind your ears, whatever. It's not a duty that we as Christians have, but we tend to think of prayer in that kind of way. It's not something that we manipulate God with. So many times it's like, oh God, and we go into these places all because we are so desperate because we're in a reactive place instead of a proactive place right. 
that we're in there, we're desperate and we want something and so we hope to get something from him and it's really manipulation. And let me tell you, if you haven't figured out, God isn't able to be manipulated. He doesn't care. Okay, he loves us, but in that sense, you're not gonna get it. And so prayer is not a monologue. Okay, it's not a monologue and it really isn't an option. You know, Jesus didn't say, if you pray, it's a good idea if you pray. He didn't say that, he said, when you pray, when, okay? And in 1 Thessalonians it says, pray without ceasing. That's a warning to us. Without ceasing is like a perpetual thing. And actually, in the original Greek, it means it's a command, not a suggestion. So prayer is, instead of being reactive, it is proactive, okay? And what I mean by that, prayer is not a monologue. A monologue is where I just kind of talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, and the other person just stands there and listens. Prayer is designed to be a dialogue. That's between at least two people, you know? And it's talking back and forth where you're exchanging ideas, you have information, you're getting opinions, you're able to to go back and forth with things. Perfect example of this is Old Testament with Abraham and the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. See, God wants to partner with us in the affairs of life, in the affairs of our family, in the affairs of this nation, this city, everything. He wants to partner with us. If he didn't want to partner with us, he could just be God and run it all himself. But he's chosen to run things through us. And so here we have Abraham, God shows up and they have a dialogue. It's a prayer discussion about the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's an interaction of a dialogue. And as I said, prayer is proactive. That means you're placing things in the forefront so that they're there when you need them. In the book of Job, which is a perfect book we're gonna talk about and some other aspects of it, but there's a conversation where God and Satan are in a conversation and Satan says to God, I can't touch Job because you have a hedge of protection around him. Remove that hedge and I'll go at him. What was that hedge of protection? Well, it tells us in Job that every day, Job got up and offered prayers and praises and sacrifices for himself and his family. And it made a hedge of protection. He was being proactive every morning for the rest of the day for what might come. And Satan knew this. And so when we're with uh, God, this is a proactive thing where we partner with him and we get those provisions and plans and things that he wants. You know, prayer is so powerful, it shapes nations and it shapes the future and it shapes history. Perfect example of this is Reese Howell. If you've never read about him, you should, t- should do that one time. He was from England, actually Wales. It was back during World War II, and he was involved in, in a college there, and he and some college students began praying about the war in Europe. 
and England and England's involvement with the Allied forces. And he prayed because as he looked and as he knew the will of God, you see, the Bible's very clear about what our world opinion should be. Unfortunately, many times even today, churches have other viewpoints about how the world and government should run. But the Bible's very clear and it has a worldview that's a biblical worldview and that means God's in control for one purpose and that is his kingdom to come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Reese Howe says this, this is a quote. He says, I want to know that the Holy Spirit I serve, what uh, Caleb talked about, is stronger than the devil of the Nazi system. He said, this is the battle of the ages. And folks, that's where we're at today for this country. Victory means life for millions of people or death. He said, Hitler, Stalin, and Mussolini, those were the rulers for those younger people who may not know, they were in charge of this campaign with the Nazi, are obstacles to the salvations of millions of people. And they cannot be allowed to have victory. So Reese Howe and a group of students literally prayed and made actual, and they, they, this is documented, where they prayed about missions that the Allied forces went into to try and stop Hitler that in the natural way could never, ever work. But suddenly there was a breeze, suddenly there was this, or this happened, or the, the Nazis got confused, or they decided to turn around, and victory for the Allied forces came because of a group of people praying who knew their God and knew the power of prayer. And so prayer is where we partner with God for many things. One of the big things we have to realize though is really the heavenly location. See, many times we think, because see, I'm here now, Beth's here, Sarah's here, so if we go to pray, we tend to think, here we are, our rears are in a pew or I'm standing, my mouth and lips are here, So when we're praying, we're praying, this is the domain we're praying. But the reality is that when we pray, in that instant that we start to pray, our physical bodies are here, yes, my lips are here moving. But the spirit within me, my spirit man instantly steps over into a spiritual realm that I don't see but does exist and I go to where God is. God doesn't come to where we are. He may eventually come and change an atmosphere, but we initially go into his presence by that prayer that we enter into. Our spirit man, now in the natural, occults look at this as astro projection or whatever. I'm not talking that. Our spirit man literally is able to cross over and to connect, kind of like what um, Enoch did. When one moment, one foot's in the natural, the next foot, he's in a spiritual place with God. It's that easy, it's not something hard that happens. And so if you look in Hebrews 12, well, Hebrews 12, 18, it says, for you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire. This is talking about back with Moses. 
okay? Because in that day, Jesus hadn't come to make the way. So here, God shows up literally on the mountain in the days of Moses. But in Hebrews 12, 22, it says, but you have come not to this earthly place, but you have come or you are coming when we pray to Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. The Bible is very clear. When we enter into prayer, we are instantly transported to a heavenly or spiritual domain. Here it's called Mount Zion, where the living God resolves, or the heavenly Jerusalem, whatever. But obviously from the description, angelic beings, saints who've gone on, all these kinds of things, we're talking about a spiritual place. The earthly temple, remember the temple back in Israel that used to be? It literally is a depiction of what I'm talking about. You had the outer courts, you had the inner courts, you had the holy place, and then eventually you got into the holy of holies that was separated by the veil. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. So the priests, and we're called priests now, we are the priests of the holy Lord, we're the priests. They would enter in from the outer courts to the inner courts, to the holy, and eventually the pre one priest would enter into the holy of holies. It was a progression of a transporting from one location to another. God doesn't come to us, we go to him. And this is what the priests were doing when they went through the process of entering in. Now we know Jesus wrote, wrote the veil, took the veil away, but it talks about the, the incense, the altar of incense that was there. In Revelations, it says that those prayers, the bowls of incense are the prayers of the saints. Yeah. The prayer life is what causes us to be able to flow over, now that the veil is rent by Jesus, into the holy place where God resides. And he loves it, he doesn't care. It's very, it's not a scary place. It's an inviting place. So, how do we get there? How does all this work? Well, there's a, a slide up about Ephesians, so if you're taking notes, these are the, the ones we're gonna talk about, Ephesians and in Romans. But the first one in Ephesians 1:19 says this. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Toward who? Who's it say? Who's the power toward? Us, okay? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him where? At his right hand, At his right hand in the heavenly places. This power that it's talking about is a different power word. It's not dunamis, it's the ones that we usually think about. It's a power word that means it's a, power, it's a place of authority, a place that we have access to because of a positioning of Jesus at the right hand of, of God. Which it goes on to say is far above what? 
principalities, powers, rulers. In other words, all and every demonic power that you could ever think about that would stand up against us, that position where Christ is at is above that, has authority above that, has power above that. And in that place, he put all things under his feet and gave him, meaning Jesus, to be head over all things, which is his bought to the church. And his church is the body, the fullness of him in all things. Now, look at another place in Ephesians. I'm going somewhere with this information. In Ephesians 2, 6, it said, and raised us up together and made us to sit where? In the heavenly places. To the intent of what purpose? Why are we raised up there to be up there with Jesus and the Father in this heavenly place at the right hand of God? What's the intent? That the wisdom of God will be made known by who? That's you guys, that's us. To who? The principalities and, and powers. Next slide, Romans. This one talks about that Jesus, who died, is there at the right hand doing what? Making intercession. He's praying. So here's the picture. God the Father on the throne. Jesus on his throne. What's Jesus doing at the right hand doing? Making intercession, praying. We are the church, and where are we positioned? Right there with him, above what? Every power, everything, and right there in that place is not just power, but it's a manifold wisdom that can be given to us, it's saying, so that we can have dominion over what? In other words, everything that comes our way that the enemy does to try to steal, kill, and destroy from us, we can have the wisdom and the power to do it if we understand where we're going in Christ and what we're doing. Yeah. We're not just praying. When, when Beth prays, she's not just giving a sheet, like let's just say this is her prayer list, and she sends it in an envelope via prayer to God, like we do at Santa Claus, little kids, hoping to get the wish list. She, that's not what she's doing. In her spirit, she's praying. She's going to sit there. She's going to go up to this location where Jesus and the Father are praying. They're talking. They're sharing insights. They're sharing wisdom of how to defeat the problems that you have. Yeah. My job is to go there to listen well and to repeat. That's good. In other words, come back and with my mouth and with my lips, repeat what I've heard, repeat what I've been shown because Jesus only did what he saw and heard the Father do. That's what we do. We get that information, we bring it here, I make my declarations, I make my prayers, I make my statements knowing, because the Bible's very clear, that if we know he hears us, we get that we ask for. And how do I know that I'm praying the right thing? Because I got it firsthand from the position I went to, to hear what they're saying, to see what they're doing. 
See, many times we pray out of what we, because we're reactive, we pray out of what we think, what makes the best sense of us how to pray, the strategies to pray. Oh Lord, help me to win, win the lottery. I'm only gonna play it this, this one time and help me to win the 237 billion because I'm in debt and then I'll be able to get that paid and I'll be able to go on the mission trips and I'll be able to, to, to help this person and that person and help the church and do all this. Makes total sense in our natural. But is it the will of God? And you're only gonna know that by going in prayer to where the location is to take place there. So um, we're praying out what we hear and see what God is doing. Prayer is prophetic at its core. Now, I didn't connect this to this just because I believe in the prophetic. There's something called the law of first mention. That is, if you don't know what that means, it's, a, it's an understanding that in Genesis, just about any doctrine or principle of the Bible can be found in Genesis. And it's played out later in scriptures. Here we have the story of Abraham who, you know, thank God that there are people in the Bible that have faults like we do. He, in his logic, gave his wife to another king so he wouldn't get, well, you know the stories. So he's given his wife over. But the point I'm trying to make is the scripture there in Genesis 27, when the king is being talked to by God and said, basically, you're done for, unless you go to this man. So I would have been saying, but God, he's the one who did it. You know. But God says, no, go to this man who is a prophet, and he will do what? He will pray for you. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean, we think of a prophet, go to the prophet, go to the prophet and prophesy and he will prophesy over you because that's what prophets do. But here, he's called a prophet and for the first mention, this is the first time it's mentioned, they tie the two together of the prophetic and praying. Right. Now why is that? Well, because God knew that we need to understand how to hear from him when we're in this place that we're trying to get to, to hear what's going on or to see what's going on so that we can declare and pray it out. And so, it's not really too hard, actually. We just make it hard. We're actually born with an inner audio video equipment. That's how I look at it. I'm visual. So, just imagine inside of you, you have an audio-visual technology of the Lord that allows you to hear and to see when you move yourself into the position of prayer and you understand that you've plopped yourself. And that's the cool thing. It's kind of like the elevator of, that's the ones that bypasses all the lower floors. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been in one of them? Express elevator. It's like when I step over into that spiritual domain and begin to pray, if I understand what I'm doing, I immediately push the button and I'm transported to this place in the spirit realm where I'm able to sit down and hear and see what they're interceding about, praying about, talking about, wisdom, plans, discussion about how they want things to go. 
And I have this inborn audio-visual system that allows me to have that. I just have to choose to power it up and tune it in and turn it up so I can hear. Now, just as a sideline, the occult and third world countries, they understand this very well. There are mediums and there are psychics and all those because we're all born with the equipment. It's just that they've tuned in to a different station. And their station is being broadcast by the devil. Where in our case, we are tuned tuned in through the Holy Spirit to that position and place to be able to hear. And the third world countries have no problem when we go there and we're talking about these spiritual things, they have no problem because they know that this world that I'm talking about exists. And they want the victory. They know that they need the victory because in those third world countries, the devil usually runs havoc everywhere. And they wanna come into the things of God to be able to have that upper hand, the dominion that we have. But here you see we're all comfy in the United States. We don't even know if we believe in that kind of thing. Ghostbusters, just Hollywood stuff, right? Well, when Caleb was talking, he was talking about the baptism. Christ, when we got the baptism, that's an extra bonus because you see, I can talk and pray out and declare what I'm hearing and seeing when I get to that position, or I can just speak in tongues. And the Bible's clear in 1 Corinthians, the tongues of men and the tongues of angels because the language of heaven is many times in a different language than what we're used to. And I don't need to worry about that. That's what's so cool about the baptism is that it allows me when I need to be instant and seasoned, when I don't have the opportunity to get and take a deep breath and kind of focus in on pushing that button and going up, I can just say, or I can be at the mall or wherever I am and I see something, I don't have to say it out like that. I can just, yeah. And I know what I know that I know that it works. I was in New Orleans long before I understood a lot of this. New Orleans, let me just say, the enemy has a great heyday there. I went there on a trip. I had some free time. I'd been out walking, praying. Came up on a street fair around a center area in front of a Catholic church, all kinds of vendors. I was just walking, observing, enjoying my time. Looked over saw a lady dressed in traditional garb of the kind of gypsy kind of look doing tarot cards. And I stopped and the spirit just spoke to me what she was doing. And about that moment, two people, innocent, I'm sure, who didn't know God, hopefully they didn't know God, to be visiting her, walked up to her, paid her the money, and proceeded to sit down. 
And as I watched this, the thing in me, my spirit, began to rise up. And I began to pray against that in the spirit. I had the baptism. So I'm standing there, people walking all around me. I'm just standing there walking. I'm probably was from here to Duncan from her. Her back's to me. I start speaking in tongues. I didn't know what I was to pray. I didn't know about being able to, at that point, go to the right hand and actually get the scoop. I had to kind of let it filter in, you know, as it was coming. And what came to me was bind up the spirit of divination, bind up the spirit of witchcraft, do not let them be spoken to and these things enter into them. So I'm, I'm just praying what, you know, I've, I'm not practiced this much. I began to do that. She's in the middle of putting a card down. She froze. She pulled back. She turned around. She looked dead at me. And I'm like, I'm out of here. <laughs> because I didn't know at that time what I had in power. God was using me because he wants to partner with us to do these things. I gotta move on. Let's talk about our future provision for our future, because prayer is to be proactive. So we know that it takes us to this realm where we get released this information if we want to hear. And we don't have to, like I say, we could just have thoughts, things that enter in, drop into our spirit. But God is wanting to purpose and give us our plans and give us the information. And in this place, there are things that get released because, as I said, we're to partner with him in the whole world and earth to do his plans and purposes. Can he do it without us? Yes, but he prefers to do it through us and with us. And in that course, there's something called Books of Destiny. Now, who in here has ever had a prophetic word by a prophet or presbytery or after on the sun? Okay. Who in here is set before the presbytery, what we've had brought in? Show of hands, okay. Do you know what they were saying? Basically, what's going on in that moment is when a prophet, when you sit before them, they are going, push the elevator up, and in this case, what has happened is the books of destiny, your destiny, my destiny, Gina's destiny, were opened up, and they are looking over, and they get a glimpse of a paragraph, they get a glimpse of a sentence, they get a subtitle or a chapter heading, they get a glimpse of these things, maybe they get a whole page of information, and that's what they're sharing. When you get a rhema word, when you get a prophetic word, it's your books of destiny. Now don't take my word for it. Look in Psalm 139. This is David saying that before he was born, in the lowest parts of the earth, he's talking about his mom, your eyes, meaning God, saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. 
And in God's sight, everything he's saying about you is precious and right and powerful because he believes in you and your destiny and how you can partner with him to walk it out. And so part of our destiny when we're going to God in prayer, when we're up there at the right hand and we're getting the scoop or the information and we bring it back and we're praying it out here in the, in the world, making declarations, we are praying out not just our destiny, but the destiny of this church, the destiny of this city, the destiny of your loved ones, whoever it is you're involved in prayer for, you're praying through what God has already talked about and had a plan and purpose for it, and it was good. If you look at 2 Timothy, who has saved us, called us with a holy calling, that's all of us, not according to our works, but according to what? His purpose. Now that word purpose there means purposed intentions that are always in his sight and view. Now that means I don't know how God does it, but he's God. He is able at any moment, any second, to know every purpose, everything he said for everybody, every nation, everything, and keeps it right out in front of him here. Amen. And it's interesting, we were talking about the, the Old Testament um, temple and that process, which is a foreshadowing. In that same room where the incense, which the Bible tells us, as I said in Revelations, are the prayers going up, was a table of showbread, or shoebread, depending on whatever version you're reading, 12 loaves that represent the 12 tribes. And though that word for showbread or shoebread actually means the bread of faces. God looking in his temple at the faces, your face, my face, Eloise's face, Donnie's face, everybody's face so that he doesn't forget what has been written in the books for us to fulfill and live out of. And prayer is the access to that kind of thing. Ephesians 1 called it predestined. Now a lot of people say, oh, that's fatalism. Okay. I'm either going to be saved or I'm not going to be saved. I'm going to be rich or I'm not going to be rich. I'm going to be healthy. I'm not going to be healthy. It's predetermined. I can't do anything about it. No, that's not what it's talking about. Predestined is potential. It's talking about a predetermined potential. See this phone? They call it a smartphone. Sometimes I think it's smarter than me. But... The designer of this phone predetermined a potential. Now, when I buy it, I can access only the potential to get a call and make a call. My grandfather would probably be in that mode. Make a call, receive a call. He wouldn't have apps, he wouldn't have games, he wouldn't have TV, he wouldn't have movies, he wouldn't stream something, he wouldn't use the internet, he wouldn't use it as I do where I actually type documents and send them off to another computer. The potential is what we do with it. 
And God predetermined through our books of destiny for us to rule and to reign, as it said, to be the church that makes the manifold wisdom of God known to those principalities and powers, to put them under our feet in every situation. But we do that because it's incorporated with prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5, The problem is, and I'm going to quickly get through this, the problem is that we have a devil. And unfortunately, I can't do anything about that. You can't because he has certainly worked havoc and messed things up all along the way. But he's saying to us here in 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Why? He says in 1 Peter, be sober, be vigilant, Because what? Your adversary. Now that word adversary means an opponent in a lawsuit. What's a lawsuit do? A lawsuit, if I get pulled in on a lawsuit, it's gonna drag out, I'm gonna have to make court appearances, I'm gonna have money spent for a lawyer, on and on and on. So if he doesn't defeat me and win the lawsuit, He's delayed me, he's stolen from me, time, money, whatever. And this is what happens with the enemy. He walks about like a roaring lion for one purpose, looking away to destroy, delay, diminish our destiny. In Job 1.6, we go back to that book of Job, that same situation about the hedge of protection. The Lord happened to ask him prior to that and say, hey, where are you coming from, Satan? What have you been doing? And what did Satan say? Walking to and fro about the earth. Why do you think he was doing that? He's looking for every opportunity he can to destroy, to kill, to stop your destiny, and to stop your prayer life because he knows, just like with prayer, and fasting, they are tools that will rip his rear end apart if we use them. Mm -hmm. And the church has not done that here. They do it in other countries because it's life and death. When you don't have doctors to run to, and you got a tumor, you got cancer, it's a life and death thing. You use prayer in a whole different way. You understand its power. Revelations 12.10 says this. You know the story. It's talking about the kingdom of God and the power of Christ have come for the who? Accuser. Accuser. That word means coming against one in the assembly who accused them, meaning us, the church, how often? 24-7, day and night. That's why we have to pray without ceasing. Because he doesn't cease, he's 24-7 looking for every angle, every advantage, every place you're just laid back and not covering, not praying, not being proactive, not praying into your future, all those kinds of things. And listen, we as Christians, we as people, we help him out a lot. You know how we do that? Not just through praying, but we do that when, because he says it comes against the accuser, the ones in the assembly. 
let's just say, I go home today and I say, you know, I didn't really care for Tammy's hairstyle today. Now she knows better because I already told her I, I liked it. Um, I, I didn't care the way she's wearing her, her hair right now. You know, blah, blah, blah. And we have this discussion between us. Now here's Tammy at some point standing in front of the mirror. You ever stood in front of the mirror and you look at yourself and you hear a voice? You don't like what you see? You don't like what you're looking at? You don't like how it feels or this or that? We've given him access to be able to take something and say, you know, even, even your people at church, even your close friends, they're feeling this way. That's what the devil does. He brings up, that's why we have to give account, the Bible says, for every idle word. And I'll tell you, when I've, as I'm, I'm preaching to you, I have been preaching to me prior to this for a long time. And you talk about, because when I was about ready to be three-fourths of the way out with something, I had to suck those words back in. Because it's so easy for me to criticize or condemn or speak negatively, whatever. Just the mood I'm in, you know? And the devil is running around, taking our words, and we'll use them against our loved ones, against those in the assembly. 24-7, he never lets up. So, what are we to do about this? Well, don't give place to the devil. Dialogue with God, go in intercession, see what's being spoken, read it out. Isaiah 43, 26 says this, put me in remembrance, meaning God, let us, let us, notice that, the partnership, let us contend together, state your case that, so that you may be acquitted. What's he talking about? When the devil is 24-7 saying, I don't think, and I'm gonna use you, Debbie, because you know I love you, I'm gonna gonna keep Debbie from getting her healing in this or that. I'm gonna do that, the devil's saying, because I don't want her to prosper. I don't want her to be in health even as her soul prospers. I don't want this, I don't want that. I wanna delay, I wanna steal, I wanna kill in Debbie's life. And so, here he is doing this. And he's saying, be proactive, come and contend with me so you can be acquitted of anything that's happened and you can come into your destiny. Utilize the power that you have. Now, one last thing before we get ready to go. It's gotta be not theory-based prayer. It's gotta be tested and proven prayer. Now what do I mean by that? Where I was prior to New Orleans, I had a head knowledge. I had read a lot of books. I'd gone to conferences. But I hadn't tested my faith. I hadn't tested my prayer ability. I hadn't tested even if I could find that button to push to go on the accelerated up there. I didn't know any of this stuff. I hadn't tested it and proven it. 
But I tell you, I got a real testing and wake-up call in New Orleans because when that person turned around and looked at me and the reality hit that I had entered into a spiritual realm that I didn't even know that she knew, it freaked me out. And as I said, I turned tail and went. I didn't go back there. Saul and, Paul, or Saul and David. David had a warfare against the giant. And I'm telling you, devil brings giants all the time in front of us. If we're going to take him out, we got to know the tools, what we're using to take him out. And one of those things is prayer. David couldn't use Saul's armor. You know that? Ephesians talks about the armor of God, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit. I can read it. I can sit in a conference. I can hear pastor preach it. I can hear Caleb talk about using it. I can hear Millie talking about using it. But until I've proved it and tested it for myself, I don't have ability in it. I need to step out and begin to learn how to test in these things. Just like Reese Howe said, I need to know that my Holy Spirit, this Holy Spirit, this God who we sang about, no other name, sorry, (laughs) is really no other name. And I'm not going to know that until I'm in the trial of using it. But if I'm reactive, if I'm in the middle of something I hadn't prayed ahead on, prayed for, put the hedge of protection, I'm sweating bullets, I'm desperate, and I'm praying out anything and everything I can. I'm going through the want list, the needs list, the genie, I'm doing it all. Because I need a healing, I need a miracle, I need something. But when we're proactive and we enter into this area, it makes a total difference in the world. We need to grow our prayer life at every opportunity because you don't know what the next hour, day, or near future may bring. Now I want to give you this last example. You know where it says, and on the night he was betrayed, you know the story. Jesus, Last Supper, Garden of Gethsemane, all of that. Jesus told his disciples, look, all hell is going to break loose. Everything you thought is going to come crashing to the ground. Your world is going to hit like an atomic bomb. Everything, everything is going to be different. He forewarned them. Then he says, let's go to the Garden of Gethsemane and pray. And he asked Peter, James, and John, his three top leaders of the whole troop, to come with him. And he said, come watch with me, which means be vigilant, pray, pray. You know the story. They didn't. Now, we tend to think about that when we read that and say, oh, poor Jesus. Here is three top buds, and they couldn't even be there supportive for him. In his worst hour, I'd never be that way. I'd pray for him. 
But another thing to look about when you understand the principle of prayer is proactive. Jesus had warned them and said, you need to pray, Peter, because when your life hits the fan, you need to have something already set in place. Obviously, they didn't. Would they have scattered? Would Peter have denied? We won't know till we get to heaven and then we won't care. But the point is that Jesus said in Luke 22 and described this situation, he told Peter, he said, Satan has asked for you. Remember the story of Job? Job had a hedge of protection around him. And Satan had to ask permission. And so Satan is asked to do what? To sift you. But I have prayed for you. Thank God Jesus comes in on our behalf when we don't follow through or we don't know to follow through or we're lackadaisical about what we're doing. We don't take it serious. Jesus followed through and he prayed for him so that your faith would not fail. When it talks about sifting and asking there, the word asked, this is on the next slide, Judy 37. Asked means demand for trial. And sift means to try one's faith to the verge of overthrow. Folks, what I'm telling you is reality. It's not just New Orleans. It is Columbus, Ohio. It is the United States we're in right now. And we need, as a people, as individuals, to become proactive, not reactive, not to pray occasionally, but to take this serious. These keys we're giving you of prayer and fasting are for a reason. They're to make a difference so that you can reach your destiny, you can reach your purposes, you can protect your families from things that are coming our way because the devil isn't ever ceasing. That revelation scripture, that's the millennial when he's thrown down and dealt with. But until then, he's still running around 24-7 after you. So, will you stand? So, what are we missing out on? Provision-wise, protection-wise, testing-wise of the future in our prayer. My question to you today is, do you want to be better at what you're doing? Do you want to become proactive? I hope your answer is yes. Redeemers need you to be proactive. When we're praying in for Dwight, when we go on a trip, like to the country, We don't pray the moment we get on the airplane. Oh God, take care of this airplane, don't let it crash. Make sure my bags get there. No, we've been praying for months, calling forth things into the spirit realm so when we get there, it's already there. It's kind of like, you know, when you go to a hotel, you call ahead, the bed's turned down, your chocolates are on the pillows, you know, these kinds of things. Hopefully, depends on where you go, I guess but it's stocking up for the provisions 
of what your destiny is so that you can partner with God to bring about all that's supposed to be. If you would, join hands come this way. I want you to come across the aisle. So this, guys, come this way. If you need to sit like Marlene, you can sit on a seat. I don't care. We're going to pray for our people on our right and our people on our left that they'll step up. See, here, here's the thing. By praying to the right and praying to the left, you're not saying, Lord, Lord make me step up because that might cost you something. So you're going to pray with all your might to cost the person next to you on the right and left. And in the meantime, you'll get it too. So let's pray. Lord, here we are. We're a group of people. Lord, you know where we lack. You know where we need to step it up. We know, you know where we are in all of this, where we believe, what we don't believe, what we've been tested, what we've been proven in, what we don't have. So Lord, we pray for the person on the right right now, Lord, that you will take this person to a higher level, that Lord, you'll help them to find that button to be able to go up to those heavenly places. Father, to have a clear understanding of hearing, Father, hearing and seeing what you're praying so that they can enter into those places. Lord, we pray for the person on our left. These very same things, Father. Help them to understand the spiritual warfare that they're in, that the enemy never ceases, that there are books of destiny that they have, that their loved ones have, that are being hindered and stolen from by the devil when they could be prevented, Father, by proactive prayer. And so, Lord, help us to be better at what we do, Lord, so that we can be the ones, Father, to take a nation and to take a city and to take our families and to take our loved ones for you. Holy Spirit, come now and begin to move in every heart. Begin to move, Father, in our minds and our emotions and our thought processes. Reveal to us, Father, every delay, everything that hinders us from coming into these super keys of prayer and fasting, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I hope to see less of you in the sense that you have decreased in the future and God has increased in your prayer life and your fasting life and use these keys for the glory of God because we need to take this city for Christ and our nation back. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Be blessed and go.